it's been so much fun competing with these guys, watching these guys compete, watching these guys show up every single day, knowing there's a lot on the line, knowing, you know, with an attitude of, you know, who's it going to be today? What can I do today to win a game? And that's the kind of attitude that's going on in there. And that's a fun thing to be a part of. Flip, that's manager Aaron Boone talking about the Yankees' hot play of late. And in that statement, Flip, there's one word that stands out to me. And that word is fun. This whole stretch, really since the deadline, has been a blast. And I know for you and your team, it's also work. Same thing for the digital media department. It's work as well. But there's a ton of fun involved as well, right? It's glorious. The word is glorious. It's glorious. Oh, is this awesome? It's a lot of fun. Of course, it's a lot of fun. I mean, when you win, it's fun. But when you win the way the Yankees are winning, it's really a lot of fun. And when you win, uh, considering the way they had played, you know, before the trade deadline, um, this is just a total reverse reversal of fortune. Total. Uh, and they're playing they're playing as good a baseball as you could possibly play. You know, I mean, the streak is astronomical. The context of the streak is even more impressive, almost as impressive as the streak because it's really hard to win 11 in a row as we record this, but the context of the streak, which I know you have numbers. I know we'll talk about that in a minute. That's truly amazing to me as well. So yes, you couldn't play any better than this. And if you're a fan of the Yankees, it's uh, it's time to enjoy this, the rest of the summer and look forward to hopefully October. Yeah. I could put it into context a little bit. Like you said, flip um, you mentioned 11 games in a row. That amazingly is the most since 1985. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but more context, the Yankees have won 10 straight series. That's the first time since 1954. They're 19 and four in August, 32 and 11 since July 6th. That's the best in baseball. That's context. That's what we call in the business context. You <laughs> nailed you su- it. You nailed it. You, you really nailed that. Are you surprised by this 11 games in a row? And the reason why I ask is you look back at this like the 90s teams 1998 they won 114 wins uh 1999 four that's the third title in four years they didn't win 11 in a row how surprised are you by this i'm surprised only because it's really hard to win 11 in a row if it was easy there's a lot of other it would have been done a lot more than it's been done uh you could win 100 games you could win 110 games you could win 115 games and not come close to winning 11 in a row. You could win five in a row, four in a row, and lose a game, and, and, and that's just it. But uh, to, to win 11 in a row is very impressive. It's really hard to do uh, because it just says everything has to work right for you. And the game of baseball is such where, you know, it's it, there's so many ebbs and so much ebb and flow to the game that it's really hard to get 11 games where everything's going to go your way. But it's gone the Yankees' way. And uh, I believe luck is the residue of design. I believe they're really they're playing as well as they could possibly play right now. They're firing on all cylinders. I know I gave you a lot of cliches, but too bad. It's our podcast that we're going to give you some cliches if that's the way that rolls. And that's that. But anyway, they're playing. They really are playing out of their minds. That's as well as I can state it. And hopefully this continues. And then uh, we've got a big series now with the A's. And then we've got games. We've got, every game matters. Matters a lot. It really does because the Yankees are closing in on the race. We'll, we'll get into the A's series for sure. Um, one quick side, sidebar. So when I saw this was the most win since 1985, I was shocked personally. Because um, I'm trained to think like, oh, the 1980s Yankees, they weren't that good. Um, that 85 team was good. It was very good. It just, I think if I remember right, the, they, the, the Blue Jays were just better in that division. 
Uh, Blue Jays had an outstanding team that that at that time. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, but the Yankees were very, very good. And uh, but you know, it wasn't uh, uh, you know, like uh, deep in October was not in their future. But anyway, they, fi- they finished with ninety-seven wins. Yeah. Two games of the Blue Jays, like you said. This is before the wild card, so they would have yes. been a postseason team. Yeah, we'd be talking different differently right. about the Yankees. Right, but there was no wild card then, so you win ninety-seven games. You know, you, somebody wins ninety-eight, ninety-nine, hundred, you go home. Yeah, that's what happened. But they had a really good team. They did, yes. Yeah, Gidry. Yes. Won twenty-two games. Necro won sixteen games. Mattingly won the MVP. But this is about the twenty twenty-one Yankees. So Ricky, Ricky, and Mattingly were the two were the two the two hit guys. Yeah. And Winfield. And Winfield, right. I forgot about him. That's what right. a team. Dave Rigetti. That's right. Phil Negro. I'm going to keep going. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. I wish you had to go to the present. History is history. <laughs> it is. Don't live Which don't is live great, the though. Past. The Yankees have great history. Honestly, we know that they do. But when we do like a, we do like a look back, we'll, we, we know what we'll do. So a future podcast, we'll look back on certain teams and we'll reflect on those teams. It's actually a pretty good idea you had without even having it. So I really respect you for that. So, I always do. Well, whatever. I mean, but it's very impressive. Thank you. Uh, at least we don't have to talk about the Orioles for a while. <laughs> I think the Yankees went 12 and one against the Orioles in 85. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know that at the top of my head, you got me there. Have to All right. Let's talk about right. this year's team. Sure. Go. Uh, we talked about their collective success, obviously 11 games in a row. I want to talk a little bit about some individuals and shine a spotlight on them. Uh, I want to start with John Carlos Stanton, who's been on an absolute tear of late. And it coincides with him grabbing his glove and becoming an outfielder again. Is that coincidence or can that really help you? Well, I mean, it's hard to get in someone's head, you know, when you're not when you're not in their body, it's hard to get in their head. So I don't know where to go with that. But other than to say, um, I believe that I believe it has made a difference. Because I think he's just—I uh, mean, I think he's even admitted that it's—he's—he's he's more engaged in the game. He's more in tune with the game because he has to play defense. He has to go out in the field. And I think when you're when you're just DHing and just again, it's an opinion. I don't know really, but I think if you're just DHing, I think you just all you have to worry about is really those at bats. And I think if you, and especially if you don't get a hit right away, or get we go over two or over three, you're sitting there sort of you know ruminating about the 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 overs, and you're not really you know you, you that's all you have to worry about. That's that's what you're concentrating on. I think it's really hard to sort of stay in the game because you're fixated with your at bats. I think when you're playing the field, obviously you've got to worry about your hitting, and you have to worry, play defense defense as well so you know i think that has to engage you more you have to concentrate more and i think you i think probably you would be a better player especially if you're not hitting all that well i think it takes your mind off the at-bats yeah that makes sense and i think the difference is something like 60 points in his batting average from when he's a dh or an outfielder which is amazing to me well it's actually really good for the yankees because they really need him to play the outfield because that that gives them room at the dh spot because they have so they have a lot of other players who candidly are really not good defensive players or, or lack defensive uh, prowess. I'm putting it like that. And they uh, really will benefit from being DH. I mean, d- defense is not their suit. They're better off being DHs. And I think that opens up the spots for them so they can get some at bats. I think that's really important. No, that is a good point. And we'll get into that a little bit before we move on uh, from Stanton. Let me mention he has a 21 game on base streak. Uh, similarly, Aaron judge sitting on a 17 game, on base streak. And if you look at judge throughout this whole streak, particularly the 11 game streak, um, he's batting 324. 
I mean, he has just been consistent all season. More importantly, he's been healthy all season. Um, and what do you say? Stay on the field. And he stayed that's, on the field. That's the mantra, stay on the field. And he stayed on the field for the most part. You know, a couple of spells where he was out, but not very, not not enough to really be all that significant. And he's stayed on the field, and he's contributing in a in a mighty way. I mean, he's been the most consistent player. You know, of the regular and the regular players, he's been the most consistent. The regular position players, and he's just has just been. He's every time they need a hit, he gets it for them. Every time they need a walk, he gets it for them. Every time they need a big defensive play, you know, he seems somehow in the middle of it. And and he's just has been. You can't ask for more of Aaron Judge than he's given. I mean, it's not his rookie year. We had fifty plus homers. It's not. It's not that kind of year. Because he's not hitting that, he's not going to hit 50 plus, he's not going to hit 40. But I'll tell you what, he's having a seven, a heck of a year, and he's just been consistent. And he's all the honestly, he's been as much as the Yankees could have hoped for. He's playing really, really well. Let me ask you this, and this is not an easy question Is now a good, t- a good time to think about an extension for Judge, who was a free agent after 2022? Uh, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question because I, I know the Yankees are going to have to look at that at some point. Uh, he's having a, he's having a very big year. But again, it's all. It's, I don't think with him it's a matter of his you know ability to have big years. I think it's just a matter of him obviously just staying on the field, and that's what they have to weigh. They have to weigh his value of can he stay on the field for the next you know four years or five years? Because I think that's probably what kind of deal you're looking at. Um, you know when he's a free agent. Uh, again, I don't know what the new collective bargaining agreement is going to hold, but if everything stays as is with six year free agency, he's a free agent after next season. Okay. So, so the Yankees at some point are going to have to make a determination. Do, you, do Are they going to wait and let him play the field? So let him become a free agent and then try to talk to him. I, I don't know if that's in their best interest. Uh, if he gets off to a hot start, do I try to make a deal then? Well, if you're off to a hot start, maybe a judge, maybe you want to play it out, play the field. I don't know. I know, I know he really enjoys being a Yankee. I know he realizes the history of the Yankees and his place in it. And I know the Yankees realize what a terrific player he is and how difficult he is to replace. He's one of the few Yankees that you really can't replace. You start looking at other positions and you say, so-and-so gets hurt, so-and-so gets hurt, so-and-so, what do you do? Who do you play? You make do. You can figure it out. He's, he's a really hard position to, fit, fit, to, to replace. It really is the way he plays it, whether it's uh, his offense, his defense, or you know just his presence with his teammates. Uh, he means an awful lot to the New York Yankees, and I, I got to believe at some point they'll approach him about some kind of deal. But you know, if you're the Yankees, I mean, how many big deals can you make? Seriously, I mean, how many how many five year, six year plus deals at you know uh, 25, 30, 35 million dollars for the Yankees have a, quite a few of them, and they have other, a lot of other players that they have to consider as well. I mean, I'm not saying that they're more important than Aaron Judge. I'm just saying that the Yankees have to make a lot of decisions about a lot of players, and they have to do it rather quickly. That's a great point, and I wanted to talk about that in a little bit, but let's just do it now because you bring it up. Because at some point they're going to have to make a decision. Do they want? Do they sign Judge, Sanchez, Torres, Rizzo? There's a lot of names out there, and they can't sign them all. No, I, I don't. I don't think they can. I mean, I think that some of some people may wind up in trades. I mean, the Yankees are going to have to look to solidify some positions. Obviously, every every club does. I mean, Brian Cashman's going to ask, has his hands full. I mean, that's a heck of a roster they've got. They also have got some young players in the minors they have to start thinking about. And what are they going to do? I mean, and you look at some of the players that the Yankees have, and you say. Where, if I had to lose this player, a particular player, 
do I have help in the minors where someone could possibly come up and fill that breach and fill it well? I mean, is there a trade that I could make that will strengthen me in two places as opposed to one? Uh, with the player that I have, could I strengthen myself in two places by making a deal? I mean, these are all th- plus room on the 40 man roster, which is really important to an organization because of rule five and a few other things. You, you really want to have space on that 40 if you can. And the Yankees have lost a lot of pretty interesting players through the years because not that they didn't want them or couldn't didn't see the value in them, but they they couldn't keep them because of the 40 man roster. You know what that means, Flip, is that they have a great minor league system, which which is great. Um, and you know what else is great, Flip? I think, you know, what else is great? Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. You get it every time. Uh, you know, <laughs> every time we just we always have to mention that because it's what we have to do. But uh, yes, you can help us a lot by rate, reviewing, and subscribing. And I know you a lot of you have done that, so we thank you very much. We thank you for your support because we get a lot of nice little notes from people, and uh, and uh, seems to be enjoying this, and we enjoy uh, doing it for you. So thank you very much, and uh, and uh, we appreciate it. So there you go. Well, we're at it. We should probably introduce ourselves. I am Kevin Sullivan from the Digital Media Department here at the Yes Network, alongside, as always, Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Mr. John J. Filippelli. And, Flip, how and are you this morning? John, I'm good and friend of John Littner's. I'm a good friend of John you Littner. are, yes. Absolutely. Yes. John Littner's our boss. He's the president of Yes. He's, uh, he's an awesome boss. He's a really good guy, and, uh, and he's fun to work with. And, uh, you know, he's one of the reasons we do this podcast. He uh, suggested it was his idea. It really was his idea. So I, 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 believe it or not, I actually didn't want to do it initially. I felt a little bizarre about it, but uh, uh, I still feel bizarre about it, but I actually like it. And I hope you do too. And it's fun. I hope you enjoy it. I'm having a blast. Thank John Littner for that. Yes, go <laughs> Thank ahead. John Littner for that. that oh, no, 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 you play with him. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't play with him. I, I like to. Back to the Yankees. Uh, we talked about a lot of the positives and there's plenty. And we haven't even talked about like Gary Sanchez, Tyler Wade, Andrew Velasquez. Even Rugnet Odor, they're all playing amazing. But there are a few negatives that I want to get into that we have to touch on. Um, some of the new Yankees not playing so hot. Let's talk about Rizzo at, at the top here. I think he's he's batting 067 his last eight games. Is there a reason for concern there? Before we, we, we touch on that, I'm just going to backtrack just a second. Uh, if you're going to win, you have to get help from unexpected places. I've been preaching that forever and it's true it's not a it's not gospel it's not like the book according to flip it is reality you have to get help from places you really didn't think you were going to find it and whether it be Vasquez at shortstop you know with the Yankees were expecting but right now he's helped them he's been a been, been a godsend he's been just terrific he's playing solid defense the defense has really solidified them helped solidify them we we talk about pitching, we talk about hitting. We don't talk enough about defense. Defense is an extension of pitching. You know, pitchers are as effective almost as, as their defense. You have got to catch the ball, and you can't give the other team four and five outs. The defense has gotten better. That's part of the reason the streak has been the streak. Is it just the offense which people notice and the pitching which they they don't always pay attention to the defense, the double play that gets turned or doesn't get turned. They, they see the great play and they say, oh, that's real great defense. But the, the balls that somebody gets to that they stop from going into the outfield, preventing two runs at one run scores at a two. It, that's defense. The runs you save are as important as the as the runs you drive in. So that, that's defense. Okay. So again, you were talking about uh, talking about Rizzo. You talked about Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I yeah. would say this: he's struggling a little bit right now, but he he was really I mean, he was so hot when they got him. And now he's starting a little bit and Gallo picked up that slack and Gallo's playing, you know, getting better. And the Yankees are, look, that's why you have a circular lineup because the Yankees have a circular lineup. They can get damaged 
caused by anybody in the everybody in the lineup will cause can cause damage. And that's what makes them so special right now. They're, they're hitting. Everybody seems to be contributing. And the guys that aren't contributing, when you say like he's hitting one, yes, he's struggling with the batting average. And, but you know what? He gives quality at bats. You know, he doesn't sit up there and strike out on three pitches. Sometimes it takes them seven, eight, nine, ten pitches to get him out. That's that's an effective out. That's wearing the other starter out. So there's a lot of things that people don't sometimes take into consideration as to what a strong offensive player does. Anthony Rizzo is a terrific offensive player, and he's even probably he might even be a better defender than he is an offensive force. So you know, if, if he so if he's not beating you with his bat, he's going to beat you with his glove. So that's why his presence is really important. And also the lefty, the lefty righty thing that the Yankees needed to have balanced their lineup. He's important in so many ways to them. So even if he's struggling a little bit lately, okay, struggling a little bit lately offensively, but he's contributing in other ways. So then you don't, while he tries to find his stride at the plate, you don't necessarily replace him with Voight right now. I don't replace him with, uh, I wouldn't replace him with uh, Gil Hodges right now. (laughs) Okay, I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't. I, I I love I love Anthony Rizzo as a player. I love him. I think he's a terrific baseball player. I really do. And like you said, though, well, two things you said: the run you save is just as important as the run you produce, and that's Anthony Rizzo right there. And two, you said earlier, there's room for Voight. There's room for other DHs now that John Carlos Stanton is playing the field. Yes, so you can play them both. Well, that's the value. Well, that's the value of having Stanton play the outfield, where he's not a DH. Because I mean, he, he's he's capable enough. I I don't know. I wouldn't say he's a he's a Gold Glove caliber left fielder, but I would say that he's a, he's a quality left fielder. He can play left field. He's not yeah. going to hurt you. And you know, and he's you know, and the fact that you can put him there frees up the DH spot, which is so important because you've got guys like Void is Void is a is a strong offensive force. He is. He needs to play. You want his bat in there. If you can get it in there, you need it in there. But you know, but he's not he's not the defender that 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 Anthony Rizzo is. He's not. So you get the you get the defense of Rizzo, and you're going to get a lot of offense from it too, and you get strong offense from Void. So if you play it right, I mean, again, it's easy, it's easy for me to say it's it's a hard problem when you've got there's only so many you know the players in so many spots. So it's not easy to to, to do this, but I would say you have, you try to figure out a way where you could get his bat in there. And again, again, it helps that Rizzo's lefty and that Void is righty. So sometimes if you really wanted to, you could play the lefty righty game a little bit, but. Uh, but but Rizzo seems to hit about anything that's up there when he's hitting and and uh, and and Voigt has shown that he can he's a quality uh, he hits lefties better than righties but he's, he's he's a strong player you want the bats you want them both in there same question to you that I asked about Judge this offseason, do you try to sign Anthony Rizzo I, I think it's going to depend on what you know the way the rest of this goes but I would tend to think that they would sign they'd want to sign him because. I think he's a difference maker. He's only 31 years old. He's a strong offensive player. He's a great defender. I mean, what, and he's really one of the team seems to have readily accepted him and he, them. So what is there about Anthony Rizzo? I mean, anybody, do you know anybody from Chicago, a Cub fan? Go talk to them about Anthony Rizzo. You said, you said, what's the value of Anthony Rizzo? They'll go on, they'll give you chapter and verse longer than the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, they will. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, here's the case against it. I'm not saying I don't want Rizzo, but the case against it is you have Voight until 2025. He's considerably cheaper. And then like we were saying before, if you sign Rizzo, maybe you don't sign a Glaber or Sanchez or a Judge. Like, uh, what'd you say, the case against it? The case, the case, the case against, against it. Against so signing Rizzo. The case against it is insanity. 
<laughs> That's what the case is. I, I'm sorry. I would I would sign Anthony Rizzo. I would make a point of signing Anthony Rizzo. I mean, the, you're you're right about what we talked about. I don't know that you could sign everybody. That's a problem, you know. And and if Anthony Rizzo goes oh for the rest of the season, well, then, then the Yankees might reconsider that. But he's not going to go oh for the rest of the season. He's going to be a big force to them, and we're going to make October, and he's going to be a big force there as well. Yeah. To be clear, I like Anthony Rizzo in pinstripes. I would love to see it for several years to come. Just painting the other side of the fence. Uh, let's How's that go to an. How's that work? <laughs> well, you just told me it was what insanity. Insanity. Yes. Yeah. So not well. Well, no. It's it's just listen. It's a discussion. I mean, we're we're here to have a friendly discussion among two people that are quasi friends. So quasi. no, we're quasi friends. We're good friends. I thought we were more than quasi friends. I don't know. I mean, how 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 strong would you rate our friendship? On a scale of like one to three. <laughs> two <laughs> okay there you go oh uh, all right i can't believe we haven't said his name yet um aroldis chapman had a tough tuesday night in atlanta uh two-thirds of an inning two hits two walks earned run before boone pulls him with the bases loaded what brutal. is going on here flip brutal 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 well, it's been brutal i mean he's been really struggling i mean uh Whatever, whatever the next level is after struggling, he's been that. Um, you know, and he had domi- he dominated the first half of the season. And, you know, I don't know what the reason. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture and theory as to why. Um, you know, maybe some of it has to do with gripping the ball. I don't really know. Um, but he's really struggled. And, and uh, he's, a, he's come back and he's had a little bit. I mean, don't forget he's had COVID. You know, he had, he had two bouts of COVID or one bout with COVID and then a serious bout with something else. He's been pretty ill. And he's had to fight that. And it's hard when you've been when you've been ill and you've been out for periods of time to come back and, and, and to find your consistency. It's not an easy thing to do. I think if some of it is that for sure. I mean, I, I, I do know that. I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like when, when Tuesday night, again, as we record this, it's Thursday and the Yankees are, are in Oakland for a big four game series against the A's as we record this. But the uh, uh, it was amazing to me, like how quickly he gave up on his fastball. Like he started, he went to a slider almost right away. He like threw three or four fastball all out of the zone, but wildly out of the zone. And then he said, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and then he started just, he just started chucking sliders up there, you know, and a splitter here and there, but I mean, he was just mostly sliders and, you know, and that's not as, that's a hard pitch to throw for strikes. That's basically a swing and miss pitch. It's a hard pitch to throw for a call strike. And he was relying on the slider to sort of get him through it. And it wasn't, it was, he just had command issues and, and the fastball, but he gave up way too quickly on it. I thought, and I, I, you know, he just, again, that's a sign of a pitcher losing confidence. He lost confidence. Now, I don't, hopefully it's not a long-term thing, but he's been battling it. And, you know, once he finds his groove, though, if he finds his groove, I mean, he's a, he's a big force. Yankees need him because, you know, Britain is out. You got Britain out and you get, if Chapman is inconsistent and Britain is out, the back end of the Yankee bullpen is not in great shape. I mean, they, they, I mean they're going to have to cobble it together. I mean, you know what Peralta, Peralta did, done a really nice job in that game. Peralta's really good. I like him. I think it's a really good, really good kick up, uh, pick up by Brian Cashman and, the, and his team. A really wonderful job. I mean, they have some green is going to be green has, but, you, but green is being overused and green is overused. He's ineffective. So the Yankees have got, they got to think about their bullpen. That's, that's the one area of concern I think they have on this team right now. I think it's the bullpen. To your point about Chapman real quick, the fastballs, his last 13 pitches on Tuesday night, only two were fastballs. Um, after the game, Boone asked, Boone was asked, are you, do you have to now go to closer by committee? Which I think is a fair question. Boone said, I don't know. 
which is kind of surprising to me because he always answer. has his guys back. Yeah, he, he does, but that's a fair answer. That's an honest yeah. answer. I mean, because I mean, if you'd ask me that, not that I'm booing or anything, but if you'd ask me that question, I would have said, all right, that's a really hard question to answer. I don't know. I'll have to play this by ear. And that's what I would have said. So I think that they play it by ear. But right now, he's just been ineffective. And I mean, Loisica has been lights out. Loisica is the backbone of that pen now. I mean, he's the he, you need lever, high leverage outs. That's where you go. So could I see the Yankees moving him to a closer spot? I could. I mean, but but see, when you do that, then you weaken yourself in the middle. And, you know, you really the way this is playing out, you need you obviously need a strong middle and you need a strong close. The middle then gets weakened and, you know, to some extent, you know, but but you've got Weizek has pitched really well. Peralta's pitched real well. The Yankees could get through this depending on but they've got to decide what they want. And it's all going to depend on how obviously how Chapman performs. But I don't know that he's got a lot of rope because the Yankees need to win these games because I really think the Yankees, the Yankees are playing for a wild card for sure. Obviously, they are the first wild card, but I think they got their sights set on Tampa. They should have their sights. It's a month. You got a month and change of the season. You don't you don't say I'm, I'm happy with a wild card when you're this close. They're four and a half behind the rest. We record this. That's close. That's close enough for them to say, let's keep winning. And also, they want to solidify a wild card spot, if, if nothing else. So they got to keep winning. You can't play, you can't experiment a lot here. You got, you got talent. You got to go for who's got the hot hand. You just got to go for it. Well, whether or not Chapman is their closer isn't the only decision they have coming up. So we have a handful of names that will return to the Yankees really soon. And they are quote unquote regulars. Um, which makes me nervous because I'm very much of the school. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And when you win 11 in a row, it ain't broke. Um, but at the same time, when you have a geo or a Glaber yeah. or a Kluber comeback, yeah. um, you can't sit them. So I want to ask you, I think one by one, starting with geo, what do you, what do you do? Who is, is Odor the odd man out? Well, I mean, it's hard to say odd man out because the way the game is, the, with the caveat of injury, you know, p- p- people get hurt. And a lot of play- Yankees have had, you know, guys get hurt. I mean, look what's happening now. You've got, uh, you know, Torres is on is on is on the IL, and that's a significant, um, you know, misplacement in the infield. And you know, you've had uh, you, you've had it all. Voided missed a lot of games when he was, you know, the first part of the season. And you know, and what's his name? Shill is out. And I mean, the Yankees have had a lot of injuries. So to say someone is the odd man out, I don't know that I would use that. I mean, again, that's why the DH is important too to be able to free the DH because you could always. Like if say Voight was DHing for you, well, sometimes they've got a you know, they want to they want to take advantage of a a righty uh, pitching. Maybe they'll do with his DHs or I mean they've got places to put people because of the freedom of the DH spot and also the the caveat of injury. So it's tough to say somebody's odd man out. Everybody's going to contribute. Everybody's needed on that team. It's a tough decision depending on where they want to go. I mean I but I can't see them right now. Because again, I'm a big believer in defense, and I know there's almost heresy, but I I can't see them t- not playing Vasquez right now. In short, I can't. I mean, I think he stabilized that infield to a, a really high degree, and I I like him as a shortstop. He's not the bat that Torres is that close, but you know, but you know, the Yankees That's have to it. the Yankees have to think about a balanced team here and a balanced attack. And again, I know I know when you put, you put him in second. Which he is his natural second base. I mean, he's played second base a lot of years. He's a pretty good, decent second baseman. You put him there. I don't know, maybe depending. On, I mean, I, did he lose his job? I don't know what he does. The Yankees are going to have to figure that out. That's going to be a tough one. You know, it's also because but you have Lemayu. You have you have you have 
you listen to this one. I mean, you've got Rizzo, you've got Torres, you've got LeMayu, you've got Ashilla, you've got Vasquez, you've got uh, uh, who am I missing here? Odor. Odor. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's and all of them deserve to play. You so, didn't name Voight. There's oh, that's seven, right. And that's what I thought I mean. Seven infielders for four spots. Seven, six central, five mountain and Pacific. Uh, but you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the Glaber one is going to be the most interesting. Oh, I would um, think so, but yeah, but again, yeah. I mean, I mean, how do you not play Glaber Torres? I mean, I, I they, they have to sort of, but I see, I, I think they play. Look, if it's not, if it's the thing about it, if it's not broke, don't break it, like you said before. Well, I'm in school sometimes. If it's broke, if it's if it's broke, then break it entirely. I mean, you can do that too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you go with this, other than to say that it's a tough decision and that. This is where it's going to take some real managing on Aaron Boone's part to figure out where exactly he's going to play people, how he plays them, how he rests people, because you don't can't play everybody every day. You got to rest people and how creative he can be in resting people to get the, the person who's the odd person uh, sort of not playing on certain days, how to get them in and, and get them at bats. That's a tough thing. Pitching too, pitchers too, starting pitching too. Same thing. Well, that's that's my next one because we're going to see Kluber soon, <laughs> um, which means like, is it Nestor Cortez? Andrew Heaney, somebody's got to go if you want to put Kluber in. Yeah, I would think that I don't think you could have, you know, could have eight starting pitchers or seven. I don't think that works well. So you're right. Somebody's going to have to go. But see the, see the thing about, see, but they have flexibility there, I think, because Cortez was a reliever. He's a starter reliever. He's, the Yankees need a flexible, especially with now, if you if Chapman is 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 having his struggles and Loisa can stay close, yes. somebody's got to fill the middle. Yes. That's good. Cortez could fill the middle. Cortez is a really, been really effective for the Yankees. I mean, you nailed it. He, it's not that he hasn't been a good starter. He's been a good starter. It's just that he can give you start. He can close. He can give you the middle. He can give you everything. And that you need him right now. If, if it, when starters come back, you've got other guys. You can't. You can't put Kluber as a reliever. I mean, that ain't gonna work. I mean, I don't think so. And I'm not. That's not gonna work well. Heaney. I don't think Heaney relieves. I don't know where he goes. I. They have a lot of decisions they're gonna make about that. I mean, Heaney has been a start to start guy. His first three or four starts, he didn't do very well at all. He just struggled mightily. His last start, he was really good. Now, which does he turn the corner? Is he now of confidence? Is has he found his way with the Yankees? I have no idea. All I know is he pitched really well last time out. And you can't take a job away from a guy who pitched well his last time out. If he struggles his next time out, then he's on the bubble. And the Yankees will say, well, let's see, we had him for five starts and he was good for one and not good for four. We're good for, he had six, he's good for five, but bad for five, not good for one. I don't know. They're going to have to figure that out. Again, going with a hot hand, I don't know how patient they're going to be with that, especially when you've got people in the wings. You've got Kluber has to start. If you're going to bring him back, Severino has to start. They're not relievers, they're, they're starters. And if you want to get yourself right for October, you've got to figure out your starting pitching. That is a must. And the Yankees have yeah. a lot of quality there. That's a great problem to have. I was going to say the same thing. Great problem to have. And you need to, I think what I'm hearing you say is to, you need to he- find out what you have in Kluber for October. You need to find that out now. Absolutely. And you solve the problem. So you move Cortez or Heaney into the long relief and that frees up Loisaga in case Chapman's not playing well, that you solved it. Right. And everybody says they, they're, they're team guys that want to be team players. Well, fine. Be a team player. If it means you're the long guy out of the bullpen, that's a big job to be the long guy of the bullpen. Save the bullpen where you can. Save the other guys, the inning guys, the 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 guys that the 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 other relievers who really have a lot of wear and tear on them. A lot of guys have pitched a lot of innings now, 
and so the dark days it's still high it's still got heat until till the end of september so you know they they've got to they've got to conserve listen the yankees can't afford to they want to solidify the wild card which 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 i know they're going to do it's really about to me you got to think about the division you have to think about the division you do not want to be a wild card if you can avoid it you want to be in the playoffs so therefore you take a wild card but you want to go further than the wild card therefore you you you, you strive to win the division that's the way that works and the Yankees have to strive, and I know they are, because they're playing too well not to think about that. That's got to be there. And Tampa's played extremely well. Tampa's a really good baseball team, but I think the Yankees are better. Speaking of divisions, we have an email exactly about that. You want to go to the emails? Sure. Let's go to the emails. Time for some mail. All right, Flip. This one's from Helen Schneider from New Jersey. Hi, Flip and Kevin. Love the podcast and all the Yankees talk. But I was hoping you could take a look at some of the division races and where we head towards September, particularly the National League, which has surprised me all year. You know, Flip, like Helen, I'm surprised by the National League, particularly the East throws me for a loop. How do you see the East playing out? Uh, the Braves. <laughs> that, that's it. I mean, there's no wild card. I don't think there's a wild card coming from there. I don't. Uh, so I think the Braves win it. And that's that. The, the Mets are the Mets are done. Let me see. Wild. Card. I mean, do I, I? I don't. I'm not wishing the, the Mets, Mets are done. Deal, Mets are done. But they're done. Yeah. I, I don't see them. I don't think they have the especially when you have DeGrom and, and Lindor out. Those are their two big stars and they're two big, you know, to two players that hedge against long losing streaks and things of that nature. So I can't that you can't lose players of that ilk and, and, and still keep your head above water. I, I don't think the depth is there. So I, they, they're, they're, they're gone, I think. And uh, the Phillies are, have no boat, but Phillies don't have lost so many games from that bullpen, particularly late. I mean, there's a team that really needed to, should have gone out and gotten Craig Kimbrell, you know, they needed, they need, that's what, that's they what need. I don't get. Yeah. Don't they get know it. their I mean, bullpen is an Achilles heel. It's been that way for years. It's real, but it's really bad. It's really has cost them so many games. I wish I had the exact number in front of me, and I don't. Uh, but I'm telling you, they've lost a lot of games, blown a lot of leads, and I'm, I'm sure Girardi's pulling his 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 incredibly gray hair now out of his head. Uh, At least he has uh, hair. Well, don't rub don't, it. In. Don't I don't. Rub it in. Yeah. No, but but you know what? Some people it helps not to have hair. You're not really one of them, though. You can no. use a head of hair. It would, would probably serve you well. <laughs> do you ever think of buying a rug? Get a rug. I uh, no, I should do that for like Halloween in like high That's school. Vanilla ice. Take your hat off. Let me see for a minute. Here you go. Uh, you need hair. No, it's not, not that good. It's not a good look. I loved my hair in high school, what and whether it all fell out. <laughs> um, vanilla Fine. ice was big, and he used to have that big thing going. Yeah. Like yeah. I went as far as to like doing a mini version of that. That's how much. I loved my hair. I see. I had never really thought about it. I lost my hair. I started losing my hair when I was about 26. So let's see. That's about, what, 70 years ago now? So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't uh, think about it. I mean, I, I believe that uh, it's about character. Life's about I, I love driving by a barbershop on a Saturday morning and seeing guys just lined up. And I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about that. Oh, um, you, really you have a lot of worries, but that's not one of them. <laughs> That's not one of them. National League West. That's one that's really surprised me because I didn't think the Giants can hold on this long. They have. Uh, I think that means Kapler is your unanimous manager of the year, at least in my opinion. What's your take on the National League West? Is it still the Giants? 
Well, you know, I, I keep waiting for the Giants to go away. I mean, I've said this since like May. I said, ah, you know, uh, good for them. They're playing well, but they're not going to hold up. Eh, good for they're playing well. I guess they're going to hold up. I mean, I they they are probably I mean between Crawford and and uh, and Posey. I mean, and and I mean they're just they're just it's a, it's a, it's miraculous what they're doing given the age of some of their players. It's like they're sort of it might be the last hurrah, but it's a hell of a hurrah. And uh, they got a shot. They got a they they're really playing well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've done a really good job at they're just the team itself. I mean, they have not on any losing streaks per se. I mean, they've they've, they've uh, they have a very talented team. They put their day in and day out. They're strong at every phase of the game that I could see. I don't see them a lot, but I see enough of them to know that they're a pretty good baseball team. And the fact that the Dodgers haven't been able to overtake them speaks volumes about how good the the Giants are. So you know, I, I, right now I'm going to go, but I still, but I still honestly, I keep waiting for the Giants to go. I still believe the Dodgers are going to win that. I think obviously be very close game or two, maybe, but I think they're going to win. I still think the Dodgers beat them, but I do think it'd be incredibly close. And no matter what happens, the Giants have better heck here. 10 seconds on the central. Give me 10. There's not a lot to talk about there. Give me 10 seconds. Uh, no, it's, two National words. League. it's called Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Done. Okay. That's the end of that. I mean, yeah. AL West. Well, they're really good. AL West. Yeah, they are. Uh, That's a, not Houston. much to talk about there. Yeah. No, Houston. Same thing with the AL Central, White Sox. No surprise. No. no. The only surprise there is Minnesota, how poorly they played. And last but not least, the AL East. You've been on record. Yankees are going to win this. Yes, they're going to win it. I still believe they're going to win it. And I think that uh, I think that's going to be close. I mean, they're not getting anybody here. Uh, four and a half against it. They're missing how well the Yankees have played. And they've picked a very little ground on Tampa Bay. Really, they've picked a very little. I, mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe three games. When you consider how where they were with vis-a-vis Tampa Bay and where they are now vis-a-vis Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay was a wild card when the Yankees started this thing, weren't they? Boston was still in first place. Yes, now Boston is like you know wherever they are, they're they're the second wild card as we write this now. So they've fallen quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Oakland is right behind them, about a game and a half, I think, behind uh, Boston as we record this. Uh, so you are correct, but that's why the wild card race is the wild card race. They're going to be very interesting. You know, three three into two is not a fit. One more email for us, Flip. Kenny Hopkins, also from New Jersey. Hey, guys. We've heard Kevin tell us a few times that Ricky Henderson is his favorite player he ever saw play. And Mickey Mantle is his favorite player of all time. But I've never heard Flip's favorites. So this question is for Flip. Who is your favorite player you ever saw play? And who is your favorite player ever? And I'll add, I think I know the answers, but I'll let you do it. Wow. Um, Favorite player ever. It's different. I only have to give you this caveat only because when I was growing up, uh, there wasn't the game of the week on NBC, which was, was on when I was growing up, it was only one game and it was on a Saturday afternoon. And that was that. So outside of your local baseball, like would have been the Dodgers when I was a kid growing up, the Brooklyn Dodgers, then the, and then the Yankees had both local, you could see, watch them. And then you could watch, um, you know, the Mets when they came into existence, but, but you couldn't see, unless they were playing one of the other teams, the American League National League, that's the only time you really got a chance to see them except for the Sunday, the Saturday game of the week. So, so your chances of viewing these other teams was rather limited, but I saw enough of Willie Mays to say, I think he's the greatest all around baseball player that I ever saw. Now, again, that's really hard to quantify that and to say that, 
somebody's the greatest because there's so many great. If you're going to tell me Mickey Mantle wasn't great or Hank Aaron wasn't great or Roberto Clemente wasn't great, you know, or Al Kaline wasn't, you know, great. You know, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, well, you're wrong. They were absolutely great. They're all time greats, but they just weren't quite, quite Ken Griffey Jr. Well, I was more than grown up. I was a professional at junior, but junior's a heck of a player. I mean, we could do this all day, you know, great players, but I think if you had to pick one, one, I would go with Willie Mays is the greatest that I ever saw uh, play. And uh, my favorite player was Roger Maris. It's because I liked Roger Maris. I liked what he represented. I liked the fact that he played, he was in the shadow of Mickey Mantle and he never really complained about it. He, he, he almost didn't like being famous and he not almost didn't like, he didn't like being famous. I actually got to meet him later on in my life. And Bob Costas and I did the feature on him at the last, maybe the last six weeks of his life. We did a feature we ran on NBC, we worked on it together. And, uh, um, but uh, I got a chance to really meet him then. I mean, I knew him when I was a kid, actually a sidebar when I was a kid, I was a vendor at Yankee stadium and, uh, and every one day it was really, really, we used to wait for the, you know, to, to get picked to go into vendor. And this was like 1966 and the Yankees were like, it was 65 or 66. Let me think. I think 66, maybe it was Maris's last year, I think with the Yankees, 66. And he, the, the, he was struggling. The Yankees were struggling. They had fallen. They were the great mighty Yankees, but they had fallen on hard times. All their players, that they didn't have a farm system. They traded away all their prospects because they couldn't find spots for them because the Yankees were so mighty and so powerful and so strong. And so they had... Uh, you know, there were no spots for them. So the Yankees kind of lost their farm system and the Yankee players just kind of aged all at once. So the Whitey Fords, the Mickey Mantles, the Elston Howards, you know, all those guys, uh, you know, uh, just uh, Tony Kupak, injury, you know, whatever, Cleet Boy, all those guys got old and they had to sort of play with them or replace them. So the Yankees weren't a contending team. They were not very good. And so literally there would be six or 7,000 people at a day game. At Yankee Stadium, I'm not kidding you. These, those, those were really the dog days of of the Yankee franchise, if you will. A lot of problems. CBS owned them at the time, and there was a lot of a lot of problems with the team, and they weren't they didn't have the product on the field. They just didn't. And uh, so I, I'd go and watch the players come in, park their car, and they come in, and you know, and uh, you know, again, and then so you get a chance to meet the players and talk to them a little bit. And uh, there weren't many people around, so it was easy. And it started raining one day, and I remember I, I asked Roger Maris for an autograph, and I was soaking wet. And he said to me, what are you doing? He said, come here. So he, he led me into across the street from the parking lot. It was the Yankee main entrance with a player entrance. So I went to player entrance, sat down, gave me a towel. And he said, here, I said, did you have anything to eat? And I said, no, I'm, I'm okay. So he says, he says, here, come here. And he said, so he went in and he got the, he a security guard. He had a bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He gave me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And he said, yeah, I'll sign you He signed me an autograph. And we talked for two or three minutes. It wasn't much, but it was unbelievable. It was a, what an act of kindness. And to a kid, you know, and, and obviously I don't know if he even remembered it, but I sure remembered it. I remember the rest of my life. And it made such an impression on me. I mean, I always liked him as a player. I liked what he represented. I liked what he stood for. And I did. I loved him as a player. And when we, he had injuries too, which is too bad because that derailed him. He had two years as most valuable players, 16, 61, 61. He broke the, he broke the, the uh, Babe Ruth's record or like put the, the famous Fort Frick that that stupid asterisk they put in there because they didn't do it in as many games as Babe Ruth because Ford Frick was friends with Babe Ruth and he didn't want to, he wanted to protect Ruth's record. I mean, that, that, that kind of ridiculousness, but that's what happened. And, uh, you know, but Maris never complained. He didn't care about records. He just wanted to play and, and play well. And he was, he was somebody to admire. And I, and I got to know, I met him fast forward. Then I met him at the end of his life. Like I told you, we were doing a feature on him and uh, a nice conversation with him. And it was really, I really, I said, you know, of all, I picked uh, my heroes. A lot of them didn't turn out to be, 
what I expected or wanted. But um, you know what? Uh, not that they owed me anything, but you know, we would put people on pedestals for whatever reason. And but Maris was on one, and you know, and I said, I'm really glad that you were my you my hero. We both sort of cry that, over it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's an it's amazing story. story. It's a true story. Um, and you talk about the end of his life. He was 51. That's a child. And with cancer, yeah, lung cancer. That is awful. Yeah, smoked but a lot. Just and, you know, Campbell cigarettes in those days, you know, no one told him couldn't smoke. No one knew about that stuff. And, and you know, and he just did. And uh, it's unfortunate. He was such a, such a, he was a really nice man, you know, and he was just, uh, you know, he, uh, he was uh, a lot of uh, value that you character, you know, and, uh, that you want to see in a, you know, in, a, in an athlete because they're role models and we make them role models. A lot of everybody has flaws and problems and whatever. And, uh, you know, and Mickey Mantle certainly had a lot of them, you know, but Mickey Mantle was a great player. Mickey Mantle was flawed. You know, I'm sure Roger had his flaws too, but you know what? I, I, I'll tell you, Roger Maris did, did a, was a really good human being and I uh, have a lot of respect for him. And I'm, you know, and uh, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad he was my hero. I'm not even remotely surprised at that story, just knowing reading about Maris, uh, seeing him in movies and whatnot, that he would take you in, give you a towel and feed you and talk. That's, yeah, yeah. that's great. That is he great. Did actually. And, and I, I, I tell people, so you say, you're making it up. I said, I'm not making it up. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> How can I make it? They can't make that story. You can't make a story like that up. You can't. You just can't. No. You know, some of the other players weren't as nice. They just weren't. They, they'd see every, they'd say, you know, some of them, I won't mention names, but some of them were, they didn't want to sign an autograph, and then yet there would be five or six people standing there. They fans; they wouldn't even sign an autograph. I saw a player once go past the kid in a wheelchair; wouldn't even sign an autograph. That's I thought awful. that was that was awful. And you know, it's one of those things where you always tell me, you always like not most of the players are pretty nice back then. Now, anytime, I mean, most people are professional; they understand their responsibility and understand what's it take to sign it. You know, you do something like that for a kid, and they remember it their whole life. Their whole life, you 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 affect them in ways that you you wouldn't dream possible. It's fifteen it's, seconds. That's all it takes. Sometimes, I mean, I've told professional athletes who shall go nameless. I'd say I've been in places with them where somebody wants an autograph and the player doesn't want to do it. I'd say, for Christ, sign the autograph. <laughs> What's I mean, really? I mean, you're going to sit there and argue with somebody over over what? It, it, it takes more time to talk them to give them a lecture as to why you don't want to sign an autograph than to sign it. Unless there's a thousand people, there's a thousand people. Well, it's a little different. You go and get mobbed. You got to get through. And say, I'm sorry, I just can't right now. But but I mean, sometimes it, it's easy for them to do, and it, you get a fan for life, and, and kids remember. And you and you, it's, that's how your fan base stays your fan base. You you got to be generous. Right. You got to be you know supportive. Well, that's, that's a long answer to that question. No, but it was a great, um, that was an amazing just path that we didn't think we were going to take. So I thank you for that story. Uh, we promised we would talk about the A's and we will, but we can't get out of here without doing the usual this week in Yankees history. I'm pulling the Yankees out of that. I'm just saying this week in history yeah. for this week, if you don't mind, I have one item. Sure. What? August 24th, 1989, Commissioner Bart Giamatti permanently bans Pete Rose for gambling on games. My question oh, to wow. you, Flip. Yeah, right. You know where I was? Yeah, where were you? Riverfront Stadium. No, you weren't. Yeah. You know, I, I, you want to hear another great story? I tell you another great story. I was producing the game of the week on NBC. And we had the Reds and uh, I don't remember, maybe the Cubs. But I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure the Cubs. But I'm sure the Reds because I know where we were. And I was in the, I was in the, in the Cincinnati Red dugout. And uh, Pete Rose, this is before the game. It was like two, two and a half hours, three hours before the game. And I was in the dugout. 
I was just, you know, I went on the field. I always go on the field, whatever. And I'm just sitting in the dugout, hanging out. And play a couple players come in and out, just whatever. That They weren't hanging. Rose came out. He sat on the other end of the bench. And I knew Pete. You know, I knew him. I mean, I knew him for first name basis. I knew him. And so I went over to say hello. And I said, hello. And he said, hi. And he started a stream of consciousness where he was sitting there and he was going, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, and then I got those five hits. Like I, I read five for five uh, for Ferguson Jenkins. And, and this was a curveball, and this was a slider. And this was what I, he started like reliving moments of his career. It, it, it didn't matter. It was me. It didn't, it did. That did. I don't think that mattered at all. I just think he wanted to sort of relive his, some of the moments of his career and he needed somebody as a sounding board. So I was just sitting there and I just listened to this fascination for about 20 minutes. And uh, that, but that was the, and I don't know if it was that day, the day after it happened, like he was, the, the, this announcement came, but it was around that time because it, it was being rumored that this was going to be the end of Pete Rose. They're going to get suspended. And, you know, who knows what we're going to have banned from baseball possibly because of the gambling. And that was the, that was the prevalent rumor. So, and I guess he felt it too. Anyway, I, I digressed. Um, the answer to that question is, do I think what? Do, do I think it was do, fair? Do you think like, the punishment fits the crime? Yes. You can't gamble on baseball. You can't do it. The game was nearly wrecked by the Black Sox scandal. I mean, it's it's this club sign you see in every clubhouse, you know, no gambling, no gambling. They didn't want you to play pepper. They want they want any any wagering in anything. They don't want anything that would get remotely akin to gambling. It's because it nearly wrecked the game. Now that's why I'm surprised about the, all the betting now and all the money that that's around baseball now. And I, it little surprised me a little bit because of the, 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 the sport was nearly broken by it. So, um, I, and those are the rules. You have to play by the rules. I mean, you know, oh, but see, all Pete had to do was say, I'm sorry. I had a problem. I had an addiction. I mean, we have a very forgiving society. People said, okay, everybody makes mistakes. He made a mistake. That's all. Leave him Let it be. And he would, and he would have been brought back over time and he would have been in the hall of fame, but he couldn't admit it. his own hubris. Pete was very arrogant. And I mean, I like Pete Rose, but he's a very arrogant, a lot of hubris, arrogant guy. So, I mean, he, how could he say no 27 times? How many times he wants an investigation? They keep telling him, you know, just admit it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I mean, he keeps saying he didn't do it. To this day, he says he didn't do it. Well, okay, you want to take that to your grave? To take it to your grave, but you don't get in the Hall of Fame. But but the Hall of Fame is what was the Hall of Fame? It's a it's a great honor. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, it isn't an afterlife. It isn't. We're talking about it going to heaven. It's it's a museum. I mean, although it's a great museum and it's a museum, a place of honor for the people in the in, the, in this baseball industry. Of course, it is. It's a great thing. But it's it's not the end. Of, it's not the end of existence if you don't get in. Should he be in? Yes. Yeah. He should be. Okay. His, his, I, I, that doesn't take away from his talent. What he did on the field was incredible. He was one of the great players of all time and most versatile. I mean, the guy played every position but pitch at one time or another. I mean, how can you do that? Maybe I don't know if he caught. Maybe he didn't catch. So he played seven of the nine positions. I mean, maybe eight. I don't know. I'm going with at least seven. I mean, how do you do that and, and be an all-star in a couple of different positions and, and be the hitter that he was and the clutch player that he was? He was a great player, Pete Rose. Not a good player, a great player. All right, as promised, let's look ahead to this Yan uh, Yankees athletic series, a four-game set out in Oakland. The first two pitching matchups I really like. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. The first one on Thursday night as we record this, uh, Jameson Tyone versus James Caprillion. Um, that one excites me. The next one, Cole versus Manaya. Big picture question, what do the Yankees have to do here in this four-game set? Well, it's, it's I mean, I, I, listen, the, the 11 game winning streak is all, is all great. That's wonderful. But at the end of the day, if the Yankees hold serve, if they split the four games, I think that, that that's that's the least of it. 
if they can split the four games, they don't lose any ground to the A's. The A's are, you know, are, you know, are, are let's see if the Red Sox are what the Red Sox are, but how, how many games are the A's behind the Yankees right now? Oh, let me click around here and I'll tell you exactly. It's going to take some clicking. That's right. It's a three, three and a half. Yeah. Yankees are up three, three on the wild the, card on the, on the Red Sox. Which means they're four and a half on the A's. Four and a half. Yeah. Okay. So four and a half on the A's. If the Yankees hold serve, that's, that's, com- that's comfortable. If they can win three or four, that's really going to hurt the A's. Plus the, plus the, you go back to the season series you know, when the Yankees played them the first time, he was playing this time. You had a seed series. If, I don't know what that would be. But they were one and two in June, the Yankees. They were one and two when they played them, right? So now yeah. if they can win three or four, that puts them yeah. in good shape, right? Yep. So if they win three or four, that puts that would be the tiebreaker. So they don't they the tiebreaker against the A's in case that would end in a tie. But that, that 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 would I wouldn't say it finishes the A's, but it really hurts the A's. Yankees win three or four. That's great. If they split. That's still good. You just don't want to lose three or four if you can help it. So you, you're saying they, they they need to split. They can I ask? Split. That's what they need to do. Can I ask for a prediction though? I love predictions. Three or four. Okay. I think they win three or four. I'm predicting a sweep. I think it's going to be a 15 game winning streak at the end of this. Good. I hope so. Yeah, but you, so. the A's are coming in cold. They're two and eight in their last ten. I know they're playing. They're not playing well. That, that's just true. They're not. But but they are at home, and Caprillion is good. You know he's a tough pitcher. You know they, he is they, good. You know they they've got they've got talent on the team. And plus, by, by the way, they know that. Listen, the way a team needs. Remember, I said you got to get on a roll. You got to get on a roll. I mean, we talked about this way back when. Before the streak, it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I told you the Yankees could, they need to get on that roll. They would hit a roll. If they hit that roll, they, they, they could go very far. And then, whenever it was, I don't know when this was, but 10 days, 12 days ago, 15, I don't know when it was, two weeks ago, I said to you, the Yankees are going to win the East. I really believe mm-hmm. they're going to win. You did? I'm not, I'm not vacillating for that at all. I really believe it. The same way, but the A's see it. The A's know that this is this is their, you know, they, they can't afford to fall much further behind than they are. They got to start, they got to reverse, they got to reverse this thing. So they got to win. And they're at home. They, there's a lot sense of strong urgency on the A's part to win. They got to win these games. They got to win three or four from the Yankees. Even two, they split. It doesn't kill them, but it doesn't really help them. Three or four helps them. They got to do that. And if they, if they don't split, if they do worse than a split, they're, they're potentially done. As silly as with a month left to go. That that doesn't sound silly, not at all. We'll find out next week. I'm thinking when we when we reconvene on the curtain call podcast next week, I say four wins, you say three wins. We'll see who's right. Uh and see who gets that free Chipotle. Chipotle's on the line. Is that what you want? You have a choice of like any lunch you want to have, you want Chipotle? But it's easy because it's it's nice if you like that. You like that obviously, right? You know why we started the Chipotle bets? Because no it was idea. when it was when Matt Stucco was producing for us, and, yeah. and he might as well work for them because he has it for every meal. And he brought up we should do Chipotle. You're right. We should do something better. Yeah, I mean, you know what? You know who we haven't talked to? Who? Like our quasi producer today, Dan Bazone. We haven't even mentioned his name in like two weeks. It's like That's he's awful. a really good guy. Well, he's very helpful. Don't you think he does oh, a nice a, job? Very helpful. You know what Dan's doing today? We're recording this early in the morning on Thursday, yeah. and he's working the the game tonight, which is going to go well past midnight. This this kid's a warrior. 
You know, you know what, Dan? If you want to skip the first or second inning, just go ahead. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Having to work in the third. All right, that sounds good. I'll do so that. Like, you want to sleep in, take a little extra nap, like come show up in the third inning. <laughs> Even though they got a West Coast game, I'll show up in the third. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying if you want to like catch a nap or, you know, well, how about this? If it gets to be too long, leave in the seventh. Perfect. Uh, that sounds like a you good like plan. All right, like I'm that. just I trying like to be a good boss to you. I, I appreciate that a lot, Flip. Thank you. Well, you see, you don't get a lot of bosses making an offer like that. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to have to accept that one. I remember I was working one Oakland game and it always happens to me, right? Like yeah. it was the one where the power outage, there was that oh, power yeah. outage, yeah. which like delayed the game by 45 minutes or something. Yeah. And you're already on the West coast. So like, you're not done till 3 AM. Those are tough. So I would always used to tell people, if you go to make a mistake, hopefully it's in the seventh inning of a game on the West coast <laughs> during the week. Yeah, because a lot of people are, you know, it's too late for a lot of people on the east. But um, I tell you what, though, our, our ratings have been great on this. Just great. I mean, we've hitting uh, a couple of the near all time highs. I mean, uh, the, the, during the streak, so it's been and the ratings have been great. The productions, I mean, I think that the uh, productions led by Troy Benjamin and Danny Barr have done a wonderful job with these uh, with these games. And, uh, you know, and uh, very very happy with uh, the way everything is working here and. Uh, and um, that's, well, we got a very good company. A lot of really wonderful people work really hard to give the product uh, to give do justice to the product that is the New York Yankees. You talk about ratings. It's not just on the linear side. It's also on the app. Yeah. Last Tuesday was our second most watched game yeah. all season. Yeah. Um, I think well. we have five August games have cracked the top 10 all season. So they, there's a lot of momentum here both on linear and on the app while we're on the app, I should mention you can play for a chance to win up to $25,000 every single night on the app, every single night. Yes. Pick and play. I should play this game. Yeah. yeah you need $25,000. <laughs> well, I mean, don't, don't, I mean, I mean, you can always do something with it. I mean, that's, you know, it's whatever. Uh, well, you are a very charitable person. I do know that. Well, you know, you do what you can. We all have to do something. We should always do something for people. Um, I'm trying to think, well, who do I miss? Who do you miss? I don't know. Like Jason who? Marshall? No, I said who I miss. <laughs> Jason Marshall was our producer for years. <laughs> I like Jason Marshall. I just, you know, I'm sorry he left, but, you know, it was his decision. He wanted to do greener pastures, and that's fine. I respect that. It's okay. But he's a nice man. I wish him well. And, uh, but I don't miss him. I mean, do you miss him? <laughs> I still talk to him every now and then. Okay. When you talk to him, don't bring up my name. Okay. <laughs> no, you can bring up my name. Say hello. Say Flip says hello. I wish him well. Uh, all right. So uh, what, is there anything else left we have to do? We cover everything? Uh, I, I just land the plane. That's it. The words of the great Ashley Fugazi, uh, who is my assistant, uh, among other things. He's production talent coordinator at Yes. She's also my assistant. Uh, those of you who've written to say, who is Ashley Fugazi? That's <laughs> Ashley Fugazi. Uh, it's time to land a plane, so let's land the plane. So I've already said the words of the great Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land a plane, so let's land that plane, Kevin. We'll see you uh, soon. And uh, and uh, the race is getting extremely interesting now. Don't go anywhere. Follow those Yankees. <laughs> <laughs>